looking thing I've seen all day. There you go. Turn to your second choice and tell them, say, you clean up pretty nice yourself. Oh, man. How many of you guys are ready for Christmas in the house? Anybody? Come on now. How many of you guys still have Christmas shopping to do? Anybody? Yes, thank you for being honest today. Uh, you've got like today and one more day and that's it, man. So jump on it. Get what you got to get done. Guys, if you uh, have a girlfriend or a fiance or a spouse, man, you got to go all out. You got to be a blessing this year. Come on, guys, don't let us down. Don't let us down. And uh, ladies, you've got to do something amazing for your man. And all the men in the house said, yes, all three of them. So you've got to do something amazing as well. And uh, But anyway, man, let me just say a big heartfelt thank you. Uh, there'll be pictures to come, hopefully. But uh, man, this past week, you remember we've been talking about, we've been collecting different items for hospice and for the cancer center here. And uh, man, you guys donated over 1,100 different items, different pieces to go to hospice, to go to the cancer center. You blessed several families this year uh, with Christmas and all. And so guys, I just wanted to say, man, thank you so much for your giving and for what you're doing. You are making a difference. Turn to your neighbor and say, thank you. Thank you for being you, all crazy and all. Thank you for being you. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. I want to talk to you a little bit today about the Prince of Peace. And once you find Isaiah 9, 6, if you have your Bible or a mobile device, turn, click there. It's on the screens for you. Once you get that, keep that and then jump over to Luke chapter 2. Verse 10, Luke chapter 2, 10. So you got Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, Luke chapter 2, verse 10. And we'll get there in just a moment. How many of you guys love Christmas songs? Anybody love Christmas songs? Come on. You know, how many of you guys have it like blaring full throttle? Wherever you go, it's there. It's blaring. How many of you go into the stores and it's, and, and it's playing and you sing along with it? Does anybody, anybody do that? So I love Christmas songs. I really do. But I got to be honest with you. Some of the Christmas songs are just a little bit weird, if you know what I mean. I mean, if you really listen to the lyrics and you think about it, just really don't quite make a lot of sense to me. For instance, you've got that song, and it says, Do you hear what I hear? And, and, and it's really weird because you've got this little lamb talking to a shepherd boy. I mean, I, I don't know. My brother been in the field too long. I don't know. But then there's one part in the song that says, A child, a child, shivering in the cold, let us bring him silver and gold. I mean, how about a blanket for my brother? I mean, he, he's shivering in the cold and you're bringing him silver and gold. I, I don't know. I mean, my brother got pneumonia, but he loaded. So, you know, just some of those songs I don't really quite get. I don't really understand. But anyway, it's Christmas, guys. It's Christmas. And Merry Christmas from all of us to all of you. Please don't forget uh, this Tuesday... 3 o'clock sharp, 3 o'clock sharp, for, for, for you guys that come in like 
third song, you need to be here at 2.30, okay? So you'll probably get here at 3. 3 o'clock sharp. We're only going to keep you for an hour, but it's our Christmas Eve service, and man, you don't want to miss it. We're going to take communion together. We're going to have candlelight service together. It's going to be great. All of our kids are coming in. We've got gift bags we're going to give our kids that are in here. We still have preschool and nursery going on, and, uh, and we've got something really, really cool that we're going to do for the kids that are in here. We've got a part of the service that just interacts with them. And, uh, and so I'm just really excited about our Christmas Eve service. Again, taking communion. I've got maybe about a, a, a two-hour devotion. Just kidding there, about a 10 or 15-minute devotion. Again, we're only going for an hour. And so let me encourage you to go out and invite somebody, encourage somebody. Uh, if you still have time. You still have time. Uh, there's still some, uh, some cards, invite cards out there in the foyer. Grab some of those on your way out. It's got three separate tabs that you can invite somebody and say, Hey, man, come here. Come be a part of this. And it's going to be just a great, great service. So do that. And let's expect God to do great things. Are you ready for the word today? I wanted to give you something a little light to start with. That's why I talked about the song. Because what I've got for you today is, is kind of heavy. Today's going to be one of those heavy, teachable moment days. And so if you're a note taker, you're going to want to take like nuclear notes today. It's going to be a great sermon, a great message. And if it's not, then it's, it's your fault, not mine. So anyway, but uh, it's going to be a great sermon today. But what I have to say to you is a little weighty for Christmas time. So I need you to lean in and listen with both ears and both eyes today. Are you at Isaiah yet? Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders... And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And let's say this last one together. One, two, Prince of Peace. One more time. Prince of Peace. So you got that. Let's look at Luke chapter 2. So Isaiah is prophesying a child is going to be born. He's the wonderful counselor. He's the mighty God. He's an everlasting father. He's the prince of peace. And so now we fast forward some 800 years and we're in Luke chapter 2. And it says, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths in clothes and lying in the manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. On earth peace. On earth peace. Isn't it amazing how from that time all the way to now, it has been nothing but peace in the world? Isn't it amazing how there's been peace ever since Christ came into the world and the Christmas season is the, the least stressful time of the year and you've got everything done, all the shopping's done, all the presents are done, everything's wrapped, everything's ready. Everything's going good. The food is cooked. Every dirty Santa gift you got, you actually wanted and you got to keep. It's just been nothing but peace. Can we come back to reality just for a moment? Because we know that's not true. The truth is life happens. Life continues to go on because this is not heaven. This is earth. 
And so there's going to be stress points. There's going to be anxiety. There's going to be that depressing times and, and different things that we have to battle and we have to go through. And if you're not careful, you will find yourself asking the question, what happened to peace on earth? But if you back up to that first Christmas, that first Christmas really wasn't that peaceful either. Here you've got Mary, this teenage girl, and, and she's having to convince her family and Joseph and everybody of this virgin pregnancy. Hey, I'm pregnant by the Holy Ghost. And, and then she's nine months pregnant and she's riding on the back of a mule for days. Come on, ladies. How many of you would like to have that position? She's nine months pregnant. She's riding on the back of a mule for days in extreme conditions. Which makes me think of Joseph's stress. I mean, here's Joseph, and he's, he's having to accept what Mary's told him. He's having to accept the virgin pregnancy, and it's the Holy Ghost, and he's having this dream, and, and he's traveling for days trying to get to Bethlehem. And so they arrive at Bethlehem, and there's, there's not only no hospital, there's no bed. There's, there's no place to sleep. Oh, okay, put your wife and baby in a barn. That's great. I always envision to have my child born in the midst of animal poop. Always envision that. So there's no ambulance, no hospital, no bed, no room, no epidural, ladies. Come on, holla. So you got none of that stuff. Let me know when I get to the peaceful part. Because we're not there yet. And so you, you, you look at all of this and no sooner than the baby is born, King Herod hears about this king that is born and he's enraged, he's paranoid, he wants to kill him. And so he sets a plan in motion that kills all of the boys under two years of age. And the question you have to ask yourself is how do you reconcile this? This, this peace on earth. Jesus came to bring this peace. He is our prince of peace. Did he fail at this? Was it too hard for him to pull off? And the answer to that is absolutely not. He is the wonderful counselor. He is the mighty God. He is the everlasting father. So what's the deal here? In order for you to experience peace on earth, you have to have a couple of things. And it all goes back to the name Prince of Peace. These are, these are compound names. In other words, they, they go together. And so let's just kind of look at them just for a moment. So, so the word prince there is the Hebrew word for sar. Okay? So prince is sar. Sar means the one in charge, the lord, the, the chief, the general. The Romans used this word to describe their generals. It was also a word that was used to describe the supreme ruler of a country. So that's sar. Sar is prince, but then we also have peace. What is peace? Peace is shalom. It means rest, wholeness, completeness. And so you've got Sar, you've got the prince who is the supreme commander, the one in charge, and you've got Shalom, which is completeness and wholeness and rest. And so if you think about this name right here, it kind of gives us the clue as to how Jesus brought peace into the earth because both of these names have to go together. In other words, you can't have peace without the prince. You can't have shalom without sar. As long as you're still being in control of your life, as long as you're still controlling your destiny, there's going to be no shalom. There's going to be no peace. So you can't have peace without the prince. And so I'll unpack that in, in greater detail in just a few moments. But before we get there, I think we need to understand the kind of peace that Jesus brings to our life. 
There's two kinds of, of, of peace that he brings through our lives. Number one, if you take notes, write this down. What does he bring? Number one, he brings comfort. He brings comfort. Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace, brings comfort. Here's what Jesus said in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Why? Because he's given us his peace. Again, who's given us the peace? Jesus is. He's given us his peace. And this is why the apostle Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And here it is, the peace of God. Whose peace is it? It's God's peace. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The question that you have to ask yourself is, where do you go when the stress of life comes in? Where do you go when the pressure builds? Where do you go in the middle of a storm in your life? You go to Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, Shar Shalom, and He will give you comfort. But you have to understand there is no peace without the Prince. You got to have both. If you don't have both, you're not going to have peace. You're not going to have comfort. Here's another way that Jesus gives us His peace He relieves guilt. Shar Shalom relieves guilt. The fact is, nothing produces more anxiety than unresolved guilt. How many of you would agree with that? Nothing produces more anxiety than unresolved guilt. Here's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 5 verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith... We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What is justified? Justified is simply just as if I never sinned. That's what justified is. It's being able to stand before God, holy, righteous, pure. And so I can have peace with God, not because I'm good enough. Because on your best day, you're still dirty. The Bible says our righteousness is as filthy rags. So I have peace with God, not because I'm good enough, but because I put my faith in the Prince of Peace. And so therefore, when God looks down from glory and sees me, He doesn't see me for my mess ups. He doesn't see me for my sin. He doesn't see me for my mishaps. He sees what Jesus did for me on Calvary. And so there is peace in my life. And I got to be honest with you because I can still remember the feeling that I had before I had Jesus in my heart. I can still remember the guilt and the anxiety and the pain and the shame that I have. And I've been saved for over 25 years now. And I still remember that feeling that I had. Because I convinced myself that everything was good. I had it all together. I was in control. And But at the same time, because I had some godly grandparents. Come on, anybody got any godly grandparents? You know, it's, it's, it's those kind of grandparents where it's like you get dressed all up and you're ready to go to the club, that, you know, all of that. And the last thing your grandma says is, I'm going to be praying for you. 
And then you got everybody else around you and they're seeing pink elephants and all this stuff. I'm seeing Moses and Elisha and I'm seeing all this. So that's what happens when you got godly parents and grandparents that are pouring something into you. So I understood that the Prince of Peace was available, but I wanted to be in charge of my own destiny. I wanted to do things my own way. So instead of coming under the Prince of Peace, I went to parties. I went to the nightclubs. I hung out with this one and that one. And I abused alcohol and drugs and all of these things were happening. I abused myself. And I found that I could quiet that longing for peace inside of my heart just for a moment. Just for a moment. But every now and then, in the middle of the craziness, in the middle of what was my life at that time, I remember stepping back thinking, you know what? There's got to be more than life than this. There's got to be something more. There's got to be something there because there was still this anxiety. There was still this guilt and regret and there was no peace in me. But the day I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I felt this incredible relief wash over me because the Prince of Peace had finally stepped into my life. And when I realized that and accepted that, the guilt was gone because he came in and took that away. Because I realized that, man, I need grace. And I don't think I'm the only one that needs grace. Am I right? Let me ask you a question today. How many of you in here have ever told a lie? How many of you ever gossiped? Come on, some of you just keep your hands up right now. It's going to be a while. How many of you ever stolen anything? How many of you ever looked at somebody with lust? You know, so what you're telling me is that this church is filled with a bunch of lying, thieving, gossiping adulterers. Man, what a church. But you understand that in being like that and realizing that we need grace and we need peace and we need forgiveness, in being like that, we all understand one thing, and that is we need Jesus. We need Him in our hearts. We need Him in our lives because without Him, there's no peace. Without Sar, there is no shalom. Without the prince, there is no peace. Well, it's no big deal, Pastor. I got this. I got this. I can handle this. But when you carry around unresolved guilt, it eats you alive. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're carrying around stuff right now, and there's a guilt associated with it, and it's eating you alive right now. It's eating you alive. But my prayer today is that this scripture will become alive in your hearts before you leave here. And that is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13 and 14. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself is our peace. Before the Prince of Peace was residing in my heart and in my life, man, guilt was eating me alive. But now Christ himself is my peace. But here's the problem. So many people today have been brought near to God through Jesus Christ. But when stress hits and anxiety hits and all of this stuff hits your life, there's no peace. Which brings us back to the original question that we asked to start with. Did Jesus fail? When he said, I'm the prince of peace and I've come to bring peace, did he fail? This idea of peace to the men on whom his favors rest, I mean, is it just something that's unattainable? Is it just a pipe dream? Is it an unrealistic concept? 
Again, it goes back to the name. It's a compound name. You can't have Shalom without Sar. He's got to be over every area of your life. You've got to give it to him. So how do I find his peace? Well, it's as simple as A, B, and C. Simple as A, B, C. How do I find the peace of God? Here it is. Number one, acknowledge the root of my problem. Acknowledge the root of my problem. The biggest mistake we make is when we are desperate for peace, we think it's something that can be attainable externally. We think it's superficially. We think it's situationally. But the problem is real peace requires you to get to the root of the problem in your life. It's kind of like root and fruit. We oftentimes like to deal with the fruit, but we don't deal with the root. And so a lot of times in life, there's this one common root that really brings all of the anxiety and all of the stress and all of there's that one common root that when something steals your joy and something disturbs your peace, you understand it has more to do with the attitude than the action. It's this basic attitude towards life, towards God, and towards self. And that attitude has a name. And we don't hear a lot about this name. We don't ever hear it mentioned. Nobody likes to talk about it. Politicians sure aren't going to use it. It's unhip. It's uncool. It's unsophisticated. We like to water it down to make it sound better. But are you ready? Are you ready for the root? Are you ready for the name of it? Let me give it to you real quick. Can you see that? What does that say? Come on, say it like you mean it. Sin. That's a common root problem. The root of the problem is sin. And some of you are like, are you kidding me? That can't be true. Hear me today. Sin, which is the root. I want you to hear me. Lean in. Sin is not you going out losing your cool, getting angry and getting drunk and fighting and spitting and all of that. Sin is not you going around telling lies and gossiping and lusting and all of that. That is the result of sin. That's the fruit of sin. So this is... Sins. Root and fruit. Because I'm not willing to deal with this attitude that says, I'm in charge, I'm control of my own destiny, I'm Lord, I'm the general, because I'm not willing to deal with this... This is the result of this. Is this making sense to everybody? Some of y'all looking at me. I'm going to give you some scripture in just a minute. But this is the result. And so if you want to have peace in your life, you've got to allow the Prince of Peace to come in and occupy every area of your life. The problem is we have pockets In our lives that we want to still be in charge of. We have these pockets and we say, you know what? I don't need God over here. I've got this covered. I can do it my way. I'm not really going to listen to God on this one. Matter of fact, I'm probably just going to rip that out of my Bible. Because I don't really like what that says. And I I don't need to do that. And I'm going to be in charge over here. Because I got this under control And so we've got pockets in our lives and it's that attitude that says, I'm in control. And those pockets are causing the fruit 
which is the sins to operate in your life. Now, let me be as clear as I can, because some of you are sitting there thinking, man, I sure hope so-and-so is listening to this one. Man, when that podcast come out, I'm going to Merry Christmas. This is a message for you. But listen to me. There isn't a soul among us who doesn't struggle with this. Let me prove it to you. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. If we say we have no... If we say we have no... What does it say? It's talking about the attitude that says, I'm in charge. I'm the captain of my own ship. If we say we don't have it, we're fooling ourselves and the truth is not it. But if we confess our sins, that's the things we do as a result of the attitude, he will forgive us our sins because he can tr- we can trust God to do what is right and he will cleanse us from all the wrongs that have been done. You understand, nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. I know you're sitting there and you glow in the dark at night and you think you all that and a bag of chips, but nobody is perfect. But we like to pretend we are, don't we? But when you pretend that I've got all this together, then you're not fooling God. You're not fooling people around you because, I mean, you know, people see... So who are you fooling? Yourself. The only person you're fooling is yourself. So the point is, in order to stop defeating myself, I have to first stop deceiving myself. And say, God, I need you. I don't have it all together. I don't have it handled. I need to deal with the root. I need to deal with the attitude. God, I need you. And I know I'm doing stuff that's really not good for me, but it's not really a problem. I got it all under control. Listen, it is a problem. And we can rationalize it for a while, and we can try to get away with it for a while. But if you really want peace in your life, you've got to acknowledge there can be no peace without the prince reigning in every area of my life. Can't be pockets. God, I've got to give you every area of my life. It's when you come to God and say, Lord, I need you. And some people have the attitude to say, well, you know what? I, I don't need people. All by myself. You understand that's not even in the scripture. And you're singing that. God did not make us that way. He never intended for us to be self-sufficient. We need him and we need each other. The problem for most people is we have to hit rock bottom before we're willing to change. And nobody likes to admit they need help, do they? And the result of that is we wait to address the root of our problem and what little bit of peace we have gets eating up. And then we find ourselves asking God, where is the Prince of Peace now? But I'm here to tell you, until you acknowledge the root of your problem, the attitude that says, I'm sorry, I'm the prince of my own. Until you acknowledge that, this is always going to be a result. Are you learning anything today? Two of you. Jesus said it this way. John chapter 8 verse 34. I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. He's saying the root problem isn't your actions. The fact that you're continuing the actions that you're doing indicates that you haven't completely dealt with the attitude that says, I'm in charge. Turn to your neighbor and say, Merry Christmas.
Now I need you to know something, and, and I'm almost done. I need you to know something. The odds are you're not actually likely to do that. Until you resolve principle number two, which is the B. And that is, I must believe Christ came to bring me peace. So not only do I have to acknowledge the root of the problem here, but I also have to believe that Christ came to bring me peace. Romans chapter 7, verse 24 and 25. Who will free me from my slavery to this deadly lower nature? Thank God it has been done by Jesus Christ our Lord. He has set me free. He has set me free. The answer to the problem that you're looking, the answer to the power that you like, and the peace that you're looking for in the midst of a storm can be found and embodied in a person called Jesus Christ. He is our prince to give us peace. But you've got to believe that. You've got to believe that God isn't just some faraway God and He's unattainable and He's, you know, and He's uncaring and He's, he's unresponsive and He's un, you know, unforgiving. You've got to believe that you serve a God who is alive and well and who loves you so much and He is caring, He is consistent, He is competent, He is forgiving. You have to believe that yourself. When Jesus hung on the cross and they put the spear in his side and the Bible says blood and water gushed out at the same time, you understand that's a medical condition. When blood and water shoot out of you, that means that your heart is up under so much pressure and so much stress that pockets of water will form around your heart to keep it from exploding. Which tells me that Jesus went through as much pain as physically possible to keep his heart from exploding for you and me. So the least I could do is say, Lord, I need you in my heart. I need you in my life. You need to be my prince. You need to be my king. That's the least I can do. Because Jesus died for me. And I have to believe that. You have to believe that he is who he says he is. He is a mighty God, a wonderful counselor, an everlasting father. Jesus is all of those things, but you have to believe it before he can bring peace into your life. Romans chapter 8 verse 2. For the power of the life-giving spirit, and this power is mine through Jesus Christ. There's a life-giving spirit, and that power is mine through Jesus Christ, has freed me from the vicious cycle of sin and death. There is a way to be freed from the vicious cycle of sin. And what is sin? It's the attitude that says, I'm God. It's the attitude that says, I'm the supreme ruler. And what does sin lead to? Ultimately, it leads to death of peace. But thanks be to God, because of the life-giving spirit, and because the Prince of Peace came that first Christmas, there is a way to break sin off of my life, and it is to accept Him in every area of my life so that He can bring peace into my life. But i got to be clear, trying to break this cycle on your own, it'll never happen. It'll never happen. It'd kind of be like, I saw Aiden out in the yard some time ago, back during the summer, and he was throwing a bird up and it was falling down. He threw it up and it was falling down. And I went out there and I said, son, what are you doing? He's like, I'm trying to get this bird to fly. Well, I look at the bird and I'm like, brother, <laughs> bird ain't going to fly. The only way this bird's going to fly if new life comes back in him. 
So you understand the only way you're going to have peace in your life is if new life comes back in you. And that is by you acknowledging the root of your problem, believing that Christ came to bring you peace. And then here's the letter C. You've got to commit all that you are to Jesus Christ, to Sarsalom, the Prince of Peace. And here's where the rubber meets the road. Because if you really want to be free, guys, you can't play games with God. You can't just give him some areas and hold on to other areas. I got this. Because whatever areas you try to hold on to, that is the area that Satan will use to damage your peace. Jesus has to become more than just a story at Christmas to you. Merry Christmas. (laughs) He has got to be your prince. He has got to be your Lord, your CEO, your life manager. He's got to be the one you run to. And how do I do that? By accepting him into my heart and into my life. He's my prince of peace. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23. Last scripture. May God himself, the God of peace, what? Sanctify you. Boom. That's a word we don't like to talk about anymore. The God of peace sanctify you through and through. May your whole, watch this, spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we all want, isn't it? To be able to stand before God and know that we've been justified. We're we're blameless in His sight. We're made right with God. And if the truth be known, most of you have already accepted Christ. But you're still hanging on to pockets and hang-ups and mishaps because you're not willing to let SAR come and be in charge of everything. And so that's why there's all this stuff happening. You're acting out. Got them crazy attitudes. You try polar and stuff. All that. Because I got this. No, you don't. The Prince of Peace died on the cross for you and I. The Prince of Peace came that first Christmas and said, Hey, I want to be sorry of your life. No hidden pockets, but I'm going to commit all that I am to Jesus Christ. Clean slate. When sorrow is in charge of your life, then there will be peace on men to whom God's favor rests. As long as he's in charge of my life. What are some of the roots you're holding on to? What are some of the things that you're not willing to let God come in and be the CEO of your life? What are those areas? Because when you hold on to those pockets and you don't will and you're not willing to admit that I need help here, then that's what's going to enslave you. That's what's going to grab you and hold you every time. You ever pray that prayer, God is me, and you know? (laughs) Am I just the only one? You got to be willing to give God everything. Why? Because He gave us everything. He went the distance for you and for me. So I need to be willing to go the distance for Him. I got to deal with this attitude that says, I'm in charge, I've got it all together. I got to deal with that attitude. If I'm not willing to deal with the attitude, then the sins are always going to plague my life. Got to deal with the attitude. 
Got to deal with the root. Man, if I had a tree up here, I'd pull it up by the roots and throw it to the side and just say, God, feel it. That's what you need to do. You need to pull up everything inside of you, spiritually, and say, God, feel every area of my life. A, B, C. Acknowledge the root of the problem. Believe that Christ came to give me peace and then commit everything I've got to Him. And you can have peace in the midst of a storm. Doesn't mean that everything in your life is going to go well. Doesn't mean you're not going to have any problems. Man, I think about Miss Tammy. Miss Tammy is in the house today. And Miss Tammy just lost her mom this week. She lost her mom. Her mom and her dad were married for 66 years. They dated for five. That's over 70 years of their lives has been together. And now this Christmas, there's a new normal that has to take place. Doesn't mean everything's going to go the way you want it to go. Doesn't mean everything's going to work out and it's going to be rosy and Man, I'm just going to go home and all the presents are just going to be there. That's not what it means. But what it does mean is that when I have sorrow in control of my heart and in control of my life and there's no pockets, I'm saying, God, I need you. I need you to be in control. When I do that, then there is peace inside of my soul even though the outside is raging. There's peace in me. Peace with God. That's what he said. It's not a pipe dream. It's not an unrealistic concept. It is a concept that becomes true in our lives when we're willing to put both names together. He's in charge. He's the CEO. And because of that, he brings peace. Stand with me all over the house.